Welcome to the Superpower Success Podcast. It's time to shift your paradigm, gain some inspiration, and get moving towards that next level of success. It, that just started, didn't it? It I don't did. Think they were I don't it. know. I think it's from a secure so people know they're being recorded because I'm guessing they had some issues. So, all right. So we will dive in. Hey, everybody. Today we are talking about working on your game. And hopefully the title of that podcast brought you in to wonder, what are we going to talk about? What is this about? And it's going to be a fun one. You're going to want to, you're going to want to listen to the whole one here. I've got Dre Baldwin with me. He's the owner of Work On Your Game, Inc. He's the, he's a keynote speaker, a four-time TED speaker. He's the author of 28 books. The 29th is on the way, which I'm sure he will tell us more about today. Um, and you know, he's got this intriguing approach that I, when I read about him and I learned about him, I said, I've got to have you on because you've got just a different perspective that I think a lot of people need to hear. And so Dre, thank you for being here with us. Well, Jamie, thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Excited to get into this conversation. Well, let's start with you. I want to know more about your journey. I want you to share that. How have you gotten to this point in success and where you're at today? Uh, that's a deep question. So I'll give the I get a two minute version. <laughs> All right. So I uh, come from the city of Philadelphia. I uh, now live in Miami, Florida. Come from Philly. Uh, always played sports growing up. You know, football, backyard football, or we didn't have yards. We played in the driveway. So touch football, kickball, uh, portable court basketball. Uh, finally started. Finally got on to basketball as my main sport by the, around the age of 14, which is pretty late for anyone who wants to go somewhere in a sport. College, let alone to the pros. But I just had this idea, so I wasn't really good when I started, as expected. Didn't make my high school team until I was a senior, and we didn't have JV or freshman teams, only one team. So I only made it my senior year, sat on the bench that year, scored two points per game. For those people who don't know sports, two points is not a lot in basketball. It's a lot in maybe soccer or hockey, but not basketball. So I go on to college. I was going to college anyway, academically. I knew I was going to go to college, but I wanted to play sports still. But I did not have a scholarship offer. No coaches were recruiting me. So I went to play college basketball as what they call a walk-on, which means you literally walk into the gym and just try to earn your way in. And I did that, played at the Division Three level, which, again, for those who don't know sports, Division Three is the third tier of sports. So when you watch March Madness or you know, college football, big-time college football, the bowl games, that's D1. Then there's D2, and us D3 guys were down there in the basement. So I played in college. I did okay. I didn't set the world on fire, but I did play. So I felt like I was getting better. Graduated with my uh, business degree and still wanted to play professional basketball. My parents didn't quite understand that. They're like, hey, you got a degree. You know, you're educated. You need to go get a, you know, quote unquote, real job. They didn't say that in so many words, but that's pretty much what they said. But at this point, I'm an adult. So my decision was I wanted to keep trying with pro ball. But that first year, I didn't have any opportunities. The professional sports world is kind of like, getting into the movie industry or something like that. Everybody can't get in. Everybody wants to get in, but not everybody can get in. So that first year after graduating, I worked a couple quote unquote regular jobs. I was a uh, assistant manager of Foot Locker. I was a membership salesperson at this gym called Bally Total Fitness. Uh, Bally's out of business now, but I don't think it was because of me. I think I did pretty well for them selling memberships. And then that the year after graduation, one year removed from graduation from college, I saved up my money and I went to this event called an exposure camp. Now, Jamie, I know most of your audience doesn't know what this is. An exposure camp is like a job fair. Everybody knows that. But it's a job fair for athletes. 
Now, what we do at our our version of a job fair for athletes is we don't just walk around and talk about what we can do or show a documentation of our game. We actually play basketball in front of a room full of decision makers, the same as a job fair. So these are coaches, agents, scouts, team owners, managers from all over the world, from professional basketball teams who are looking for talent. So it's basically like a, like a casting call. So I went to that exposure camp. It was down in Orlando, Florida. Me and a couple of my college teammates drove from Philadelphia to Orlando. And for those who don't know, that's a 19-hour drive overnight. We left on Friday. We arrived in a parking lot, 9 a.m. Saturday morning, which was the start time of the camp. Hopped out of the car with no sleep and started playing. Now, at age 23, I could get away with that. Probably couldn't do it now, but did it then. And the camp was only two days. I played very well over the course of this 48 hours. I got all of that footage on film. And I, I leveraged that experience, plus the scouting report that I got from there, to sign with my first basketball agent. Now, an agent in basketball is the same as they are in the literary world or the acting world. The agent connects the talent to the jobs. I signed with this agent. The agent, a month or two later, got me my first playing job. That was in Countess, Lithuania. And that was the start of my almost 10 years basketball career. This is the summer of 2005, just to give people a reference. Now, that footage from that exposure camp that I just told you about was on this thing called a VHS tape. Jamie, you remember those VHS? Do I look like I, of course I remember those. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, so this is how it was then. I mean, don't, so I can almost guarantee you, some people are chuckling and some people have no idea. Okay. <laughs> All right. So for those of you millennials who don't know what a VHS tape is, ask your parents or Google it. You'll be able to find it. So I took this VHS tape and I'm figuring this is the most important footage I have. This is the most important footage I own. This got my career started. And I know that for those of you who know what VHS is, if you drop it, it gets wet, it gets hot, you lose it, you lost that footage. So I needed somewhere that I could keep it. Now, again, this is 2005. So the Internet exists, but it's nothing like what we have now. But I heard about a few things. So I took this VHS tape to an audio visual store, got to put it on a data CD, took that data CD, put it into my parents' desktop computer and I uploaded the footage. There's a new thing, uploading. That wasn't the word. Right. And we put this on this brand new website that I heard you could put as much video as you want for free. It's called YouTube.com. So I put my footage on YouTube and here's what happened, Jamie. And this is how kind of like two things start happening at the same time is when I put that footage up, a bunch of people who I didn't even know who they were were leaving comments on my video because it was just a little two minute highlight reel. And they were just saying, hey, where do you play? Who taught you how to play? How often do you practice? And they were just asking me these questions about basketball, but they didn't know who I was. So I realized that this was an underserved audience of athletes who were just like me. They wanted to get good at basketball, but they didn't have anyone to teach them. The same way I had been, but me back in the 90s, I had to figure it out on my own. They could now crowdsource information on the internet. So now I have these two kind of careers going at the same time. I'm playing professional basketball overseas, traveling the world, while at the same time I'm building up this audience on the Internet way before it was a known thing to build an audience on the Internet. And it wasn't until four or five years later that there was money to be made in doing it, that this became a thing. Like when we started using social media became a phrase and content and influencers. We weren't using those words in 2005. But I continue sporadically at first, but then more consistently to publish these basketball related drills and videos on YouTube while I'm playing overseas. And, you know, the interesting thing is, as we fast forward, is that I'm way more known for what I did on YouTube than I'm known for playing overseas. Like most people in America have never seen an overseas basketball game. They know I played, but they never saw it. But everybody's watched a YouTube video. 
So when somebody sees me in the street and they know me, it's from YouTube. It's never because, hey, I saw you playing in Montenegro. Most people couldn't even find that place on a map, right? But everybody can find a YouTube, YouTube channel. So uh, fast, fast forward five years, let's say around 2010, these players just saw how consistent I was with the videos. And again, they didn't see me on TV, but they saw I could play. So they started asking me questions about my background. And I told them pretty much what I just told you. And they would just ask me questions like, well, Wait, why did you keep practicing? You got cut from your high school team three years in a row. Why did you keep trying? Or you know, how did you learn to show up at that tryouts? Because I don't know if you have any athletes that you know or you've been an athlete, Jamie, but when you play sports, you practice all year and tryouts is one day. So if you don't do well on that one day, all that year of practice doesn't matter. So a lot of young athletes would say to me, well, Dre, I practice a lot too, but then I get in tryouts, I get nervous, I don't play good, and I don't make the team even though – I know all the work that I did. So how can I have the confidence when it matters to perform? So I started talking about that. So the first question they asked, I, I talked about discipline. Then that was confidence. And then when they found out about just all of my background, how I still made it pro with all of that background, they said, well, I mean, how do you even have the vision to keep trying with, you know, you play D3, you got cut from your high school team. Your parents didn't really see where it was going. Nobody around you was really supporting you. Nobody took you under their wing. How do you even keep going on your own energy? So that's when I start talking mental toughness. And then people just want to know how I got started getting known online, because by this point now putting content on the Internet is actually a business strategy. But I was doing it before it was a business. So now I had a little bit of a buzz before everyone else. I had a head start. So people are like, well, how can I get known on the Internet? So then I started talking about personal initiatives, just being willing to move forward on something, even when you're not quite sure if it's going to go anywhere. So those four elements became the framework and the foundation of the philosophy we talk about now, which I'm sure we'll talk about more, which is called work on your game. And fast forward to today, I stopped playing ball in 2015. Now I'm a full-time CEO of my company, Work On Your Game Incorporated. And what we do here is take everything I just told you and we take the mental tools to get you to the top 1% in the sports world and we translate those tools over to the business world and everyday life serving entrepreneurs, business professionals, and of course, athletes through speaking, coaching books, podcasts, etc. I love it. What, what an amazing story. And so we're going to, we're absolutely going to dig into this because we all need the mental toughness. We all need, we, we all need these right now more than ever. Leaders are burnt out, mm. right? They're trying to get back into the game and it's tough. Um, but I, before we start right. into the topic, I want to know what is a superpower that you have, right, that has helped you get to this mm. point? And persistence and consistency, if I can cheat and give you two. Both of those combined is just continuing to show up day after day to do the work. It's the first thing I introduce whenever I talk to an audience about work on your game is the discipline. Showing up every day and doing the work. Even when it's hard. And especially when yes, it's hard. Exactly. Especially when it's hard. Right. So talk, let's dig into this kind of work on your game. And, you know, why why is this so important? What, what made you realize that these were the pieces that, that people struggle with? And, and, you know, and how do people focus on this? You kind of gave us the four, but maybe dive in a bit deeper to those and, and how you work with with leaders. Sure. Well, where it came from was just the questions that people were asking me, Jamie. People were just asking me, why are you going to the gym every day and making a video? Again, before it was a normal thing to do it. So I was just explaining to them, I thought this is what all athletes did. I thought every basketball player went to the gym every day and practiced. I mean, that's what I just, it just made sense to me. 
you're going to be a pro athlete. You're not practicing every day. But it turns out it wasn't a normal thing. <laughs> every athlete wasn't doing this. So I realized this was different. I was different because I was doing it every day. And then when I really thought about it, where I got that discipline from, I was modeling what I saw my parents do when I was growing up. They were not athletes. My dad is 5'7", my mom's 5'5", I'm 6'4". So they, weren't, they didn't teach me how to play basketball. But, and they are biological, by the way. And, but the thing is, they, were, they would go to work every day. And sometimes my parents didn't have a car, so they'd be taking public transportation, you know, an hour each way. I know they weren't always feeling like being at work. Sometimes they would be sick. Sometimes they would be tired, but they would get up and go to work every day because I'm figuring they never preached about it, but I'm figuring because they need to take care of their family. So when it was time for me to take it to sports, all I did was model what I had seen and I was just utilizing it in a different way. So it just came naturally to me, I guess you can say. And then when other people saw it, they were surprised by it. So it surprised me that they were surprised because I thought this was normal. So that's where the discipline came from. And when I started talking about it, a lot of people, again, it surprised me again, a lot of people were taken to it like, oh, now I get it. I got I to gotta show up every day and do the work. Again, I thought everybody did this because that's what I saw and that's what I was doing. But then I realized that it wasn't normal. And when it came to the confidence part, that's usually the thing everybody wants, right? Most people don't wake up in the morning and say, I need somebody to make me be disciplined. Most people aren't looking for discipline. All right, they'll accept it, but they're not looking for it. Everybody's looking for confidence. And I explain to people that discipline creates confidence. The most disciplined people you know are usually very confident people. And why is that? Is because they know that they have done the work. They know that even if they fall off of their, their path, they can get right back on it because they have a routine to follow. They have a process to follow. And that's where confidence really comes from. Because confidence is defined as your ability, your belief in your ability to do something. So the more disciplined you are in preparation, the more belief you're going to have that you can actually do it. Now, of course, you have to get the activity knowledge for doing it when the lights are on, so to speak, when it matters, especially in performance art like sports or speaking. But the more prepared you are, the more of those nerves you can kind of calm down before you get out there and perform. And third one is the mental toughness. And mental toughness is simply the measure of how disciplined and how confident can you continue to be even though things aren't quite working. So you look at I mean, in our world these days, we all as experts and thought leaders, we have frameworks and we have processes that we teach people. But just because somebody goes and uses our framework or our process doesn't mean they're going to get the exact same result. It doesn't mean everything's going to work. So how how much can you keep sticking to the pattern and keep believing in what you're doing, sticking to the process rather than believing in what you're doing, even though you didn't quite get the result that you were expecting the first time? Can you keep showing up? Can you keep delivering? Because all of us know that life is not going to work out perfect for anybody all the time. Nobody's life works out perfect all the time. It's can you keep showing up and keep working on it until you get the outcome that you want? And really, mental toughness is the difference between the pros and the amateurs, because everybody's going to face a challenge somewhere along the way in some way, shape or form. It's do you show up the next day after that challenge? Not will you show up until there's a challenge, but can you show up? after you have already faced that challenge and keep going. And then the last one is personal initiative because these three, discipline, confidence, mental toughness, they're mindsets, but personal initiative takes all of this mindset and actually turns that potential energy into kinetic energy. You actually go and do something with it and get started. And initiative is the key, the root word is initial. Initial means first, and to initiate means to begin something, to start something, even when nobody else told you to do it, you're doing it on your own volition, you are moving, 
and making things happen instead of waiting for things to happen. And to answer your, your second question, which is how do I help people with this? It's sharing this framework with people and helping them understand that no matter what you do, whether you're an athlete, and my audience was majority athletes you know, 15 years ago, now it's majority people who are entrepreneurs and business professionals and even a lot of athletes who kind of grew up with me, they didn't become pro athletes, but now they have their own businesses. Now they're married, they have kids, they have jobs. And they're saying, well, look, Dre, I don't play ball anymore, but the stuff that I learned from you when you were talking about mindset in basketball is still applies to this very day. So people are understanding that this stuff is not just for sports. It applies to anyone. I just happen to have been an athlete, but this applies to anybody out there, no matter what you're doing, is that you have to show up every day, do the work. You know, of course, you have to have belief in what you're doing because nobody else will believe in it. You will face setbacks and things will not go according to your plan. Guaranteed, you got to keep doing the work. And at some point, you had to be the one who goes and makes things happen because that's what leaders do. Leaders are people who go first, not necessarily the most talented, not necessarily the best, but the people who go first become the leaders. And we all had to be leaders in our own lives before we can even be leaders with anybody else. Love that. When you work with people, right, and you start working with them because they want help in this, like, why do, why do you think they struggle with this? Hmm. One of the main reasons is because anything mental is intangible. We can't see it. We can't touch it. So especially coming from something like the sports world is like these days, a lot of people are talking about mental health. If an athlete gets injured, we can see your knee is swollen or your arm is broken or you can't run because something's wrong with your ankle. We can see it, we can feel it, we understand it because it's tangible, it's in front of our eyes. But anything mental is intangible. We can feel it and we can maybe articulate it. Some people can, many people cannot, but it's a real thing. And what I try to help people understand have always, even from the sports world, is that the, it works inside out. How you're feeling on the inside, your mental game determines what happens with your physical game. If your confidence is not in the right space, you might have all the tools and the resources and skills to do the thing, but you still won't do it because your confidence is not right. How I explain that is like your skills are kind of like a house. Let's just say you had an eight bedroom house, but each bedroom has a lock on the door. When your confidence is not right, it's kind of like you don't have the keys to the, to the rooms of your own house. So you have the skill, but you can't access the skills. And this is where the frustration comes from. Like, I know I can do this, but I'm not doing it. Why am I not doing it? It's because something in that confidence or the discipline or the mental toughness is missing. So that's why you're not able to access the things that you know you're capable of. So what I try to help people understand is that everything works from the inside out. And it, it works like that kind of in everything. In business, it works like that in business. You don't take care of your staff and your internal team. They won't take care of your customers. Then your business is going to fall apart. But it starts on the inside. It starts with what you're doing with them. Then it goes to the people out there. And it's the same thing in the sports team. If you're not taking care of the coaches and the players can't get along, they're not going to play well in the game, even if you have all the talent. So it's the same way in everything in life, even with us as individuals. If something's going on in the insides of you, mentally, spiritually, emotionally, physically, you're not going to be able to give to the world the way that you want to give to the world. You might know that you can but you are not capable of actually delivering it because something on the inside is not right. So that's why the, the mental game controls the physical game, not the other way around. It's so true. And I actually wrote in my book uh, uh, called The Mental Game and I give a, I give a story out. I've never even told on here about when I in the past, when I used to do triathlons, when my kids were younger and I had time. Um, but I did my first season as a triathlete 
and was working full time. So just like a hobbyist. And at the end of the season, I placed first in my age group, right at a triathlon. And I thought, what in the hell? Like who, like this, like, I can't believe it. Right. So it, it put this fire in me and in Minnesota triathlon season, you have a whole winter, right. To train and to, it's not season. I trained my ass off all winter long, like two a day, like just insane, like pushing my body probably to where I shouldn't have. Mm. And I came out, like, I'm going to place top in my age group in the first, like I had all these goals for the beginning of the season and it was miserable. I hated every race. I finished way below where I should have finished given how much I had been practicing, right. And working. And I realized it had nothing to do with my physical ability. Right? It had nothing to do with me being able to do the work. It was all mental that was in my way That's right. at that point. And we have that in all aspects of growing a business, right? It is an absolute mental game. And that's the hardest thing. And you talked earlier about, you know, the athletes that you work with, that you worked with them when they were athletes and now they're entrepreneurs and parents and, you know, all of these things is how do you see this affect people's personal lives just as much as their business and careers? That's a great question. And I think when someone knows that they're able to master something or they're able to handle a challenge from the inside out in their work life, whatever, whether that's playing a sport, whether it's a hobby, whether it's their actual nine to five, it just builds confidence in people. And confidence is when you're confident, you hold your head a little bit higher. All right? You look people in the eyes a little bit more. You stand up a little bit taller. Uh, you, just, you just feel a little bit prouder about the way you present yourself. And it's a, it's a subtle thing and it's an unconscious thing, but we can read the level of somebody's confidence just by the way they walk into a room. And even though we can't always articulate it, we can feel it. You can feel when someone is really confident and you kind of move out of their way. And when someone is not confident, you can sense that as well. Again, we can't always put it into words, but you can feel it in a person. And that's why it matters so much that we master this mental game, because the way that we read people unconsciously determines, I would say, a good 80 to 90 percent of the decisions that we make that we make consciously that we end up explaining logically, a lot of it is based on our unconscious reading of people. Because like they say, most of communication is nonverbal, right? It's the things that we can't even explain and articulate really determine whether we say yes or no to a person. Absolutely. Even though we let them talk for 30 minutes, we decided in about seven seconds how we felt. And it's really just about the way we perceive them. So a question, I want to get your perspective on this. This is a question I get from younger people, right? That listen to the podcast or that hear me speak. And can you have confidence before mastery? Like when you're early in your career, when you're early and you don't, you don't know it all yet, right? You don't have the years of experience. Can you still be confident without all of the experience? Absolutely. Of course. I mean, the only way that you're going to get to the mastery level is you have to have some level of confidence that putting this time in and putting this effort in is going to get you to the mastery level. And it can take a very long time to get to mastery. I mean, of course, people know about the proverbial 10,000 hours. It doesn't always have to be 10,000, but it's going to take some time. It may take some years. You look at something like sports. Most athletes don't reach the peak, their peak at a sport until five to 10 years into playing that sport. But who's going to work at something for five to 10 years if they don't believe it's, it's taking them somewhere? Nobody. So absolutely, you, you need confidence. Not even that you can, it's you need it. It's required. Because confidence 
is part of what gets you out of bed every day. Confidence, discipline, mental toughness work together. Right? You don't, you can't be missing one of those. It's like a three-legged stool. You can't miss one. If you're disciplined and mentally tough, but you have no confidence, well, what are you going there? What are you showing up for? Confidence is, is kind of like your ability to see the future. All right, this is where I'm going, and this is where it's going to get me. You might be right, you might be wrong, but the amount that you believe it, whether it's true or not, the amount that you believe it determines how often you're going to keep showing up and are you going to keep doing the work. So to answer your question, 100%, absolutely. Yeah, and we talk a lot about curating confidence. When you don't feel confident, taking a step back and looking at all Mm -hmm. the things you are doing, right, and all the things that are working, and sometimes you just need that to, to find it. Right. When you're in the middle of the journey and when you're trying to get somewhere. So for somebody that's listening, going, okay, these four areas, like I'm, that's where I struggle. Right. They can now see it. What's your guidance on where they start? Right. Cause it can also be overwhelming is where do you start? Yes. Well, you do it the whole thing right in order. You start with discipline, your willingness to show up every single day and do the work. That is where you start. And discipline is a, everybody knows what discipline is, but it's like a dirty word to some people because discipline sounds like, I don't know, to some people it sounds like a drill sergeant screaming in your face, right? right? Or somebody yelling in a bullhorn while you're sleeping. Or it's just something that you don't feel like doing, but you have to do it anyway. Like people don't like going to the gym. Some people don't like sitting down and having to write a, a blog post or write the copy for their website. But these are things that need to be done. So what I tell people is you have to set yourself up to be successful with discipline. And we all have to do this. Some of, to some of us, it comes more easily than it comes to others, especially when we're doing something that we want to do. But we all have these areas that we don't really want to do, but we set ourselves up for, dis- for success with discipline. So for example, let's take, I'm sure there are people in your audience who know that they need to exercise and maybe they haven't been able to because of COVID with the gyms and all of that, but they haven't been doing it, but they want to. They know they need to, unless they know they need to, but they haven't done it. So how can you set yourself up for success with this, with the disciplines? These are very simple things. So one thing would be, for example, the night before, if you want to work out tomorrow, the night before, take your workout clothes out, out of the closet, have your sneakers ready, put everything together. 100% of the days I do this because I have to, because otherwise it's an excuse. Right. But but you like working out. So you're kind of an exception and you're a triathlete. So so we're exceptions. We're athletes. So it's easy for us to say. But this is for anybody, anyone. Take your workout gear out the night before. Put it if you're going to work out after work and you're going to work, physically going to work, put your workout gear in the bag, put the bag in the car so that tomorrow you don't have to make the decision to do that. So you don't have to utilize any willpower. You don't have to use any of your decision making energy to decide or right, do I want to go to the gym tomorrow? No, you already have set yourself up for it. If you want to go for a run in the morning before you do anything, get your workout sneakers and put them next to the door or put them next to your bed or have all your workout gear out already so that you make sure you do it. If it's something like, for example, you want to drink more water, have a bottle of water already filled up and put it in the kitchen or wherever the first place is you're going to come across in the morning, in the bathroom sink, whatever, and drink it as soon as you get there, have it already there ready for you. Now, you still have to open the bottle and put it up to your face, but you want to reduce the decision-making processes that you have to go through in order to get it done. If there's a, let's say you need to write some copy for your website and you've been dreading it because you hate writing, open up the page, put the cursor right there where you need to start writing. So the next time you open your laptop, the first thing you see is that blinking cursor and that page that you need to write on or Google Docs or whatever it's going to be. 
and set yourself up for success by, again, reducing the number of decisions that you have to make on a day to day basis. Another way that you reduce decision making is to create processes for yourself doing the same things the same way at the same time on a consistent basis every single day. Eat if you've been eating too much and you want to eat less or you need to eat more or you need to eat certain things. Eat at the same time every day. Go to the gym at the same time every day, right at the same time every day. However you're going to do things, you need to create these processes that are duplicatable and repeatable because when you have duplicatable and repeatable processes, Jamie, you know this, is that they become habits. And what habits are are unconscious routines. These are things you do without thinking about them. You just do them and you don't have to tell yourself that you're doing it. How do all of us know how to tie our shoes? Because we did it so many times that how many when's the last time you thought about the fact that you were tying your shoes? It's been years for most of us because we've done it so many times that it became habitual. And all of us have habits. We have habits of the way that we think, the way that we speak, the way that we deal with people and the actions that we take. And some of our habits are productive. Some of our habits are unproductive. And, but habits don't care. All right, they don't care if they're helping you or hurting you. They will just do what they're going to do because this is the way that habits work. And a lot of people, just one disclaimer with this thing, because some people, when they hear this, they say, well, that sounds very robotic. It sounds you know, very, it's like the same thing over and over again. It sounds monotonous. But what you need to understand is that that discipline creates the space for you to do what you want to do. I think uh, Jocko Willink has a book called Discipline is Freedom. And what, that's what he talks about. And that's how discipline works. The more disciplined you are, the more freedom you have to go off script and not do the things and then you can jump right back in because you already have a process to come back to. So, for example, I was traveling for three weeks just this past month and I didn't eat. I, I usually eat plant based. But when I was traveling, it's hard to eat plant based when you're on the road. So I wasn't really eating like that. I didn't do a whole lot of cardio. I like to run. I don't swim or bike, but I like to run. And I wasn't able to do those things the way that I wanted to while I was traveling because I didn't have my normal routines in place. But when I came back. I was able to get back into routine within five days. Why? Because I knew exactly what my routine was. I could get right back into it and I already had years of those habits built up. So three weeks wasn't going to destroy me. But three weeks would destroy somebody who hasn't been doing it. Right. So I was able to jump right back in because of the discipline. Man, I needed to hear this today. It's just it's it's brilliant. Right. I love the reducing the decision making. Because at every decision point, mm. that's where it can go awry, right? You got a left and a right, a fork in the road. Exactly. You reduce that decision. Mm. The decision's already made for you, right? And you're in that. That's right. That's where the habits come from. Brilliant. Okay. So people that are listening, they're like, I need more of this, of you, right? How can they connect with you? I'm sure you've got a lot of content online. Like, what's the best place for them to go to get more of Dre? I'll tell you two places. I'm, I am everywhere online. The only place I'm not is TikTok. So wherever people like, if you like LinkedIn, YouTube, Facebook, I'm on all of those. But two places. Number one, Instagram is the place I'm probably most active social media wise. I use Instagram stories all day, every day. So if you want to really know exactly what I'm doing every day, follow my Instagram story. I will show you more than what you thought you were going to see. That's one thing. And the other thing is my newest book is called The Third Day. The decision that separates the pros from the amateurs. So everything that we've been talking about just now, especially when it comes to discipline and mental toughness and how that discipline creates confidence and reducing your decision making, those points of decision making and needing less willpower and how the discipline creates that space to do what you want to do. All of that is covered in this book called The Third Days, 189 pages. I have the hardcover here, but we also got the paperback version. 
And here's the great thing, Jamie. I'll give you this book for free, the physical book for free. All we ask is that you cover the shipping. Okay, so this is a pre-sale copy. So it says not for resale across this bar right here. I don't think we're on video, but the, the actual book is not going to have that bar on it. But this book is coming out on August 3rd, but it is in pre-order as of today when we're recording. I don't know when this episode is coming out, mm -hmm. but we're shipping all these books out starting on August 3rd. And then, of course, every day thereafter, get the book at thirddaybook.com. The book is free. All you're going to do is cover the shipping. Again, thirddaybook.com. We have hardcover. We got paperback. If you want to get a bulk, we have bulk options. Thirddaybook.com. The decision separates the pros from the amateurs. I love that. We will make sure that we link directly to that in the podcast notes. So for anybody who wants to go back and get that, um, what's your Instagram handle? It's just my name, Dre Baldwin, one word. Perfect. We'll put that in there too. Mm -hmm. I love it. I'm getting the book. Um, and I love the philosophy. Oh, I love this idea of crossover between sports and, and leadership from a business standpoint, because the lessons are the same. Yes. Right? And, and we can tap into many of yes, those things we learned earlier in our lives through great coaches and mentors through sports and apply them to how we behave as leaders in our organizations. So 100 percent. I mean, sports and life, so much parallel. There is a ton. And I love and I'm sure that's in your mm -hmm. book. So that's why I'm intrigued to read it. So thank you for being here and for sharing your brilliance and your wisdom with all of our listeners. Absolutely. Well, thank and you for having me. This has been a great conversation. Absolutely. And to the listeners, you know, the, each one of these podcasts, you hear me say it is just meant to be to shift your perspective a little bit to help you make a different decision today. That's what it starts with. This doesn't have to be magnitude change to to make change happen. It's just one step. Take something that that, that you really is important to you and do it today. Thanks, everyone. Thanks so much for listening. If you like this episode, please click that little subscribe button so you get the latest episodes when we release them. And we would so appreciate a rating and a review. We'd love to hear from you on how these podcast topics are having an impact for you. And if you haven't subscribed to our newsletter, make sure and go to our website, keystonegroupintl.com to sign up.